and welcome to Shattered Lives, a lively, educational, and issues-driven radio show designed to tell another side of the story, to focus on and humanize crime victims, to enlighten and shine the spotlight on organizations and service providers, and to assist those who walk the path with us. This is Donna Arvor, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you this Saturday evening and every Saturday evening for education, for awareness, for enlightenment, and hopefully entertainment, primarily surrounding the aftermath of crime. And uh, so I want to say good evening to everyone um, in this mid-April uh, Saturday evening, and it's a lovely day here in Connecticut, and um, we have a wonderful show for you because we're kind of at the precipice of a very important project that we're very glad to be a part of. And um, it's never been done before, so we're very proud to be a part of this cutting-edge project with the cold, uh, with, with the, uh, cold Case Investigative uh, Research Institute from Atlanta. And this evening, we're very proud to have um, attorney and advocate Holly Hughes, as well as the founder, Cheryl McCollum. And uh, before we bring them in, just want to say good evening, Delilah. How are you? And uh, what's up with you? Hey, Donna. It's Saturday night, and here we are. Another <laughs> great show. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm just really, really excited always to have Cheryl and Holly on because they're like a dynamic duo and all of the work that they're doing together and with um, with the Cold Case Institute is just amazing. And I think our listeners are going to be really, really excited along with us to hear about this um, from the scene road tour. Right. And uh, my, my understanding is that it's going to be about a month long, I think. So uh, I think we're going to be kind of checking in with them and, and definitely before the, the the tour starts at the beginning of July, um, we are going to be having the opportunity to have some other professionals as kind of um, a pre-tour show to acquaint people with the kind of colleagues that it's necessary to kind of pull off this kind of project, which to me is going to be fascinating, you know. So... Um, I know. Do we have Cheryl? Did she, has she yeah. uh, called in? Okay, very hey, good. I'm here. Right. Everybody's hey, present Matt. and accounted for. Very, very good. Well, um, um, Cheryl, Mac, and Holly, um, it's such a pleasure to have both of you uh, on this show this evening. And this is kind of the the baptism of of the project that that. Um, uh, stands before us, so I want to say thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to have you on, particularly for this very, very worthwhile project that you're undergoing. Well, thank you, Donna. It's wonderful to be with you. And back with my old friend, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dynamic duo, as we say. So, um, I don't know, there's so much to talk about here um, to acquaint our listeners, because this is a, a one-of-a-kind one of a kind project, and um, we've we've tried to put up um, um, on our on our uh, websites the previous two previous shows we've had to give people a bit of an outline. But in case they haven't um, been able to listen to that, um, Matt, can, as the founder, can you give us a little bit of a background with regard to 
just a thumbnail sketch in terms of what you do and highly what you do and then something about the institute and then we'll get into the meat of the matter in terms of this big project. Okay? Sure. Well I'm a okay. crime analyst by trade and education and yep. so I've worked cold cases for the last fifteen years exclusively for a sheriff's department and a local police department and I also am a college professor. And so that's kind of how the institute came to be as uh, I did my night job at the department and then would leave and go to my morning college class. I would ask the, you know, sheriff at the time, Dee Stewart, take some cases and, you know, let the students, you know, try to take a look at them. And Mm -hmm. that would be a way of teaching criminal investigation. And then if one had a particular area of forensics that could, you know, be included in the class, I would do that as well. And what I found... Um, and Holly can attest to this, but the students just lost their mind to actually have a real case to mm-hmm. you know, search and learn about and kind of hone their skills on. And every now and then they would come up with something pretty phenomenal. So that just started the way that I began to teach. And then that just matriculated into what you now know as the Cold Case Institute, where we have 25 colleges across the campus or across the country, sorry, I've got campus in my mind. And all the students volunteer their time, all the experts volunteer their time. Nobody is paid, myself included. Um, Holly Hughes has never received a dime. I get asked that a lot. Um, she's <laughs> never even gotten a T-shirt from the college because, again, <gasps> we're trying to maintain that integrity that everybody volunteers. So, you know, there's no question of why people are doing it. They're doing it because it's the right thing and they want to help these families, not because they're getting a grade or a paycheck. Right. And and that is just so pure. It's so it's so wonderful to know that people are so dedicated to do this. Holly, um I've always been curious, how did how did you and Cheryl hook up in the beginning? In the very beginning, uh, we used to do a lot of TV spots together. So we were both on the Nancy Grace show on HLN quite frequently. And, you know, no lie, I know people say this all the time, but this is the God's honest truth. The first time that Mac and I ever met, and I call her Mac, it's short for McCollum. So if you hear me saying Mac, Cheryl is who I'm talking about. For the listeners who are going, what? You you were asked about Cheryl, now you're talking about some guy. But no, Mac is Cheryl McCollum. And the first time we met, we clicked. It was like we had been best friends forever. We have the same sense of humor. We have the same heart for service. And, you know, we also have the same, we have always said, it's not about credit. We don't care who gets the credit. We just want to help these families. You know, Donna, I need you to just stop and think for a minute. I need your listeners to really focus on what I'm saying because think about this. Your daughter goes missing. And the police work really hard, but eventually there's no more leads to follow. And so they stop calling you, and they stop updating you, and sometimes they stop returning your calls because there's just nothing to tell you. There's nothing they can do. And you are out there. You know, your daughter is missing or your father has been murdered, and nobody is paying any attention anymore because there are 16 new murders that they're looking at. And they're not bad people. They have worked the case. They have struggled so hard, but there's nothing left for them to do. And you are just sitting at home feeling lost and feeling alone and feeling like nobody cares. 
And we've mm-hmm. got a couple of things that describe our institute. And the first thing that Cheryl always says, and this is one of our mantras, is we may not solve your case, but we will give a damn. And you will know at the end of the day that somebody out there is caring for you and understands what you're going through and understands that you don't like that feeling alone. So you can call us at any time. You can email us at any time. What's going on? What are you doing? What are you working on? And we will just, if we don't have anything to tell you about the case, we'll just sit there and say, what did you do today? Did you go to the park? You know, you will know that someone cares. And that leads me to the other thing that we say about the Institute. We give students this opportunity. They don't get college credit for this. This isn't a class that they pay the college for. They do all of this on their own extra time. They show up for these meetings and these cold case symposiums and these classes all on their own, and they don't get college credit for it, but what they get is a life experience that you're not going to get in any other classroom because we can teach you how to get out a fingerprint kit and show you that. Anybody can. Anybody can get a textbook out and tell you there was this cold case one time and this is how it was solved. That's not what we do. We teach our students three things. We teach them caring. We teach them connecting. And we teach them a creative approach to crime solving. So our students get to meet the families. You know, it's not a textbook case. It's not, well, I read about this, and I know who Matthew Shepard's mother is, or I know who Tupac's mother is, or I know who Natalie Holloway's mother is. Our students get to shake hands with these people. They get to listen to their hurt and their pain, and they get to understand that all the volunteer work you do means Mm -hmm. something to these mothers, to these fathers, to these sisters, to these uncles, to these boyfriends and girlfriends and wives and husbands who have been so hurt and so damaged by crime. So they get to meet them and they get to look in their eye and they get to understand not only did my daughter go missing, but my daughter rode horses, for example. My daughter was a poet and she wrote this poem and let me show it to you. You know, your regular officers, they're not going to have the time for that because they're so busy, and it's not because they don't care. It's because they're overwhelmed. But at the Institute, working with 25 colleges and hundreds of experts across the country, somebody is going to have the time to sit down, hold your hand, and say, tell me about Natalie. Tell me about Chandra. Tell me about Daphne. And that means so much to those families. uh, And I know, and... With regard to the um, at the scene of the crime um, tour here, are the family members going to be part and parcel of this on the scene with them, with you? Yes, Cheryl? absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. There's going to be several scenes where the family members will be there, whether it's a parent or a sibling or a spouse, and then other scenes that may not be the case, but very few. Uh, but there will be experts there that have a specific discipline that we need to relook at this case from ground zero. Mm-hmm. How, tell us a little bit about the logistics and how, you, how you're coordinating this um, and what the scope is. Well, um, it's a little fluid still a little bit, but we do have some firm dates because we're getting ready to do one of our conferences, and that's going to hopefully generate enough of the funds to get some of the experts there via airplane tickets. Um, I'm driving, 
so I don't have to worry about myself. But, you know, I need to get Holly places. I need to get, you know, Dr. Dwayne Thompson places. So here's what we're doing. We're going to leave July 1st, and we are going to have our first, you know, area in Alabama. We're going to Mississippi. We're going to look at the bridge where Emmett Till was thrown from. Then we go into Louisiana. We'll be filming live July 3rd from New Orleans where Daphne Jones went missing. She was a student from the University of New Orleans. Um, she was in just a very short period of time going to be leaving to move back to Maryland to be with her family. She disappeared. She was working at Brennan's Restaurant, the real upscale fancy restaurant there in New Orleans. They became concerned because she didn't show up for work. That resulted in a call to her grandmother, who was immediately concerned because Daphne was one of those folks that she was on time. She was dependable. She took her job very serious. Um, grandmother started calling her phone. Of course, no answer, no answer. Um, they go over to her apartment. She's not there, but everything's in place, almost eerily so. Um, so that's where we're going to start. We're going to start from the apartment where that's the last place she was seen. And then we're going to head on up to Oklahoma and be with the parents of Shanta Turner. And, again, that's where I need Holly specifically and Dr. Thompson because we're going to try to do a 3-D crime scene of that area. Um, we need to meet with our parents in person. We need to walk the scene. Uh, it's going to be imperative um, that we get a chance to do that. And then we head on toward uh, New Mexico where Kate Arquette, was killed in a drive-by shooting where she was shot twice in the head. We're going to meet the uh, private detective there. We've already met with her family in person, but the expert that's been working the case for years and years is going to meet with us, and we're just going to head on. We're going to go to Las Vegas and take another look at Tupac Shakur. We're going to go to Utah and look at Susan you know, Powell. It's going to be a tremendous, tremendous event. And again, Holly's already said it, but I just want to reiterate, when you bring the students a case file, what they get from that, the magnitude cannot even be measured. What they're going to be able to get by, you know, the view from the scene of the crime, and mm -hmm. Holly can talk about this too, because she says it all the time, I say it all the time, I'm one of those people, I'm extraordinarily visual. I have to go see it. I, I can't get it from a book, I can't get it from a photograph like I can when I'm there. And, you know, Holly trains the students and, and tells them the same mantra. As a good prosecutor, which she was one of the best Atlanta's ever had, she went to the crime scene so that she could bring that to the jury, so that she could talk with those detectives about it on a level that she could not have done if she stayed in that courthouse. Right. Wow, that's yeah, Donna. That's that's absolutely true. Because as a prosecutor, you are basically a storyteller, and you got to remember that by the time you get to court, everything is so clinical. It's cleaned up. They're looking at a flat picture. They're not looking at something that has a smell and a feel and a taste to it. It's all been cleaned up and sanitized. And so mm -hmm. when you, you know, when you have to, as a prosecutor, describe that scene, you have to be able to say to them, this is what she felt. She was found in a room that was three feet by five feet. He had her locked in a closet. 
she must have felt such terror. It was a closet filled with cleaning products. So she's sitting there smelling bleach and Lysol and just knowing what's coming. And that's how you can best describe for the jury. You have to paint a picture with your words. And that's right. what you are able to do when you go out and you walk all those scenes and you can feel what they felt and you can smell what they smelled and you can describe for the jury what the last terrifying moments of their life must have been because you've got to make them care. You've got to get the jury to understand this is not just a statistic. This is not a case number. This was a living, breathing human being who mattered to somebody and she should matter to you. Absolutely. And so my as an investigator, I need to know not just the crime scene, but what's just beyond it. What was his point of entry and exit? Was this the primary scene or secondary scene? So again, if Holly and I are standing there and we both determine, you know what's just for those trees is a liquor store, that might be relevant. What's just down the road is a set of apartments, that might be exactly what we need to know to start, you know, looking at who could have walked here, who could visit here often. So it's just, you cannot put a price on it, I'm telling you. Right, to be on the scene is the most valuable part of it at all. Are you are you concerned that with the, with the family's participation and being at the scene that it just may be too overwhelming for them at points? And if there is, are you, are you having like a trauma therapist uh, travel with you or whatnot? That's- I'm just Looking at it from the victim's point question. of view. No, no, that's an excellent question. And Holly and I both um, started our careers basically as victim advocates. So I will answer that in two parts. Number one, absolutely not, and here's why. There's not one family or member that is meeting us that has not agreed and wants to. And that's why I said in the beginning some are not going to be there, and it's for obvious reasons. But normally when you get to this point of a cold case, they are so adamant and so ready to assist in any way possible. Honey, they're so going to be there. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Okay, so they're they're not at that point where they're just too vulnerable and they can't do it. Can you tell us about how you went about the selection process? And are you still are you still in the selection process? A little bit. Um, the selection process was actually done for us. These are the cases that we have already worked for their own, you know, our board to be worked. So we've already had lots of contact with families and law enforcement and experts on all of these cases. So what we decided to do kind of as a 10-year anniversary is let's go. Let's go visit everybody. Let's go see everything. Um, Let's renew interest when there's been a stall in a case. So that's what we're doing. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a way of us, you know, just to kind of put in perspective you know, look across this country at all the connections we do have. So what we're doing now is Georgia to California, up to Washington State, and then back across, you know, the top, Wyoming, the Dakotas, et cetera. And then we're going to have a break of about three and a half weeks, and then we're going to do the Northeast. So we're going to try to cover as much of the United States as we can in two months. Oh, wow. Well, I imagine you'd have several families in all 50 states if you possibly could do that, but it's not humanly possible, right? Right. It's not for a lack of people reaching out. We are still in the development phase, um, but we are going to be adding 
multiple colleges here very, very soon. Um, Dwayne Thompson has kind of been heading up that part, and you're going to be talking to Dwayne soon. Um, okay. But we're going to have so, a lot more help in a very short period of time. So, you know, next year in 2017 and 2018, it's going to look very different for us. Oh, wow. That, that is such a great thing to look forward to. Uh, I, you know, the first year is you're in your infancy and you just keep growing. That's great. Um, right. Can we dispel the myth that um, maybe some people have the idea that you're going to go on scene, you know, in Alabama, and then uh, you're you're there to solve this case, and you're not leaving until you solve it. That's not what you're doing. This is these are teaching opportunities, correct? And then if you happen to come up with viable evidence right. that the case at another level, then then so be it. Yeah, right? let me please dispel that. <laughs> Um, there is no crystal ball here, and we don't imagine that anything is going to be done except a teaching opportunity. So let me explain exactly what's happening. Okay. I am teaching alongside national experts literally from the scene of the crime, but it is teaching. It's pointing out some things that should be very, very obvious. Um, it's going to, you know, if there's a body of water near, if there's a wooded area near, I mean, obviously that will be too pointed out. But there's going to be other things that are not going to be obvious. The grade of perhaps part of the land, um, the types of trees, because that matters, animals, whether they're nocturnal, what's happening in that area. Again, what's across the woods, what's down the street, what's up the street, everything is relevant. What did it look like then? For example, Holly and I have one crime scene that, it looked one way five years ago, but there's a building on it now, literally a building. doesn't look the way it did when the crime occurred. So that's going to be, you know, relevant for us to point out. What we are doing is revisiting these crime scenes, and for some of our students, it'll be the first time they've seen them, and the experts as well. And we're teaching what was done, what maybe could be done now, for example, can we come back with ground-penetrated equipment? Can we use the 3D camera? Um, would it help if we brought dogs back? All of those things, that's the reason we're going. Can we add to our game plan? Honey, we're, I don't have that kind of ego to think. Me and Holly Hughes and Dwayne Thompson <laughs> and Pat can roll up at a crime scene in 10 minutes and solve it when it ain't been solved in 15 years. Not I ain't made that way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, is, is it the idea that, well, are the students going to be hanging back and watching? I can picture them just wanting to be in there in, in the middle of it and get their hands dirty and kind of be impulsive and jump in, but you're not going to let them do that, right? No. Well, it'll, be a little, it'll be a combination. We've got some students that have been doing their own car washes. They've been selling their own donuts separate and they are getting together their own gasoline money, and they're going to try to meet us in different places. Obviously, New Orleans is doable for them. Oklahoma gets a little tougher. Um, and I've already told them I am not going to try to be anybody's chaperone in Las Vegas, but <laughs> if they wanted to meet on their own, that'd be great. And, of course, uh -huh. I'm kidding. Our students are remarkable. And let me brag on them for just a minute if I could, because, I mean, obviously I was kids about New uh, Las Vegas, but um, – and Holly will attest to this as well. But you're talking about college students that have social lives and some of them already have families and jobs and they don't have a lot of money. 
they right. donate their time, and these kids have already traveled to multiple crime scenes on their own to already work. Um, y'all know about the time that we went and looked for the weapon in West Georgia. Well, that was a right. six-hour round trip. They did that all on their own, and they do that over and over. They have bought equipment. They have bought food. They have bought, you know, paper and different kind of things that we use, like butcher block paper for the timelines and things like that. They are some of the most generous people that I have had an opportunity to work with, I'm, I'm telling you. So it won't surprise me if they show up at more scenes than we know that they're going to be at right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I can say the same thing about Holly. Um, Holly, of course, is like I said, has never gotten a paycheck, never gotten any money, but she has certainly spent her own money. And, again, for the students to understand and for your listeners to understand, Holly makes a good living by the hour. I mean, she's a high-profile attorney. She has never asked us for anything, and she has given probably 700 hours over the last decade. That I, I couldn't pay her if wow. I tried. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. There's no Could way. Kudos to you, Holly. Well, I, I appreciate that, but you, you know, you just don't tell Mac no. I mean, you've met her. You know, you, you know. just don't tell the woman no. You know, and and let me let me point out a couple other things too about our students. You know, we don't have right now students who are enrolled at Yale or Harvard. Not that we wouldn't welcome them, because we would love to have those colleges join us. But a lot of our students, as Mac said, you know, they're single parents. They're kids who, you know, might have had a bump or two in the road of life and maybe they've got a record and, you know, they're just doing their very best to eke out a living and try and get an education. And in a day and age where we are seeing so much police brutality and we're seeing so many people being treated poorly, these are kids who do not have two nickels to rub together. And I have seen them. I have literally seen these students spend their last five bucks to take two buses to get to the college on a Saturday so they can go out to a crime scene with us. So, you know, I don't want to hear that young people these days are all terrible because these are kids who have nothing. These are kids who have sometimes had run-ins with the police themselves. But you know what? That's Mm -hmm. why we teach them the caring and the connecting so that if and when our students ever become law enforcement themselves, they're not just going to know how to fingerprint a crime scene. They're going to know how to connect with people. They're going to understand that the people involved in the system have stories of their own, and you don't just dismiss them because of what they look like or what they act like. So, I mean, seriously, our kids literally, their last five bucks, their last five bucks to come up on a Saturday to be able to go out to a crime scene with us. And one of the things we didn't mention yet, we are a nonprofit organization. We are a 501c3 registered with the state of Georgia. So all of the money that people give to us in donations, it literally goes to working the crimes. We don't take a paycheck. We don't take expenses right now. We literally do whatever we have to do on our own to get ourselves there as the kids do. So mm-hmm. if there is anybody listening who feels so moved to donate to the oh, 501c3, it is tax deductible, Donna. They will be able to write it off on their taxes, and right. they will be able, you know, we tell people anyone can solve a cold case, anyone. And that's what we tell our students, and that's what I want to tell your listeners. You can solve a cold case, and the way you can do that is go ahead and donate to the charity that we run because we will not take money from victim families. 
We have had victims' families try to pay this. We so desperately want you to work the case. We will pay for your plane ticket. We will pay. And Cheryl has steadfastly, from day one, refused to accept money. She has come out of her own pocket and paid for her own plane tickets rather than let a family member pay for a plane ticket for us because they have suffered enough. They have Mm -hmm. sacrificed enough. They have given enough. We will not, no matter how much they beg us, we will not take their money, Donna. So one of the things I want to encourage your listeners to do is Google. Please Google Cold Case Investigative Research Institute because Cheryl McCollum will never brag on herself. But I will tell you this, a couple months ago, we were so honored to get a call from Delilah, who you all know. Yay, Delilah! We love Delilah from Imagine Publicity. Delilah rocks, everybody who's listening, okay? And Delilah gets a hold of Cheryl and says, okay, I got a call from the Royal Dutch Police Academy in Amsterdam. And Cheryl thought she was being punked. So she's like, sure, Delilah, sure. And Delilah's like, no, for real. They want to talk to you. You need to call them back. And sure enough, Cheryl reached back out, and we hosted uh, an emissary, a group of four people who came, a couple detectives and a crime scene analyst, a forensic specialist, who flew all the way from Amsterdam to train with Cheryl McCollum's Cold Case Institute. And here's what they told us. They said, we were told we could go anywhere in the world, the entire world, to get training on cold cases. We needed to find the best model. We needed to find the best people to learn from. And we searched the world over, and we think you guys are the best. And they literally spent a week with us. And then two weeks after that, um, someone from Paris, from the Ministry of Justice in Paris, came and trained with Cheryl. So when I tell you the woman is the real deal, the woman is the real deal. Please Google her. I don't want you to think you're donating to something that's not established. This institute's been up and running for 10 10 years, years. and we have done it. 10 years. Yes. Well, that's just tremendous, and I had no idea that Delilah had anything to do with it because she's she's very, you know, modest when it comes to her achievements, too. So I'm just very proud of all of you, And, and we try to promote her as much as possible too on this show and on my websites and, and whatnot. So, you know, um, I just think you can go. There's nowhere to go but up, and this is just fantastic. And your, you know, your your ethics and your compassion and what you're trying to do is absolutely wonderful. And I I so wish I could be on the road with you on your Partridge Family bus or wherever. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, I was I was wondering. Um, what what is it from a legal standpoint that you you like to do boots on the ground in terms of dispelling um, to try to get all that CSI junk out of people's heads once you come upon a crime scene and yeah I don't know if you want to use the Susan Powell case as an example go ahead but we we want to know when when you're when you're doing your thing Holly give us an example of that. Okay, well, first of all, CSI ain't real. Big newsflash, I know some of your listeners are crushed. There's a couple people (laughs) crying, pass out the tissues. CSI is not real. And I'll tell you, Donna, I have never picked a jury 
in the last 10 years since those shows hit TV, whether on the defense side or on the prosecution side, where I don't start in the voir dire, which is the part where we question prospective jurors, and that's one of the first things I say is, y'all know that ain't real, right? And if people laugh, I'm good. But if somebody looks a little hurt, I don't want them on my jury because I have just crushed a delusion for them, okay? Mm-hmm. You have to explain to them, you know, first of all, and this is what I tell folks, especially the victims of crime, they're like, well, why can't they do this and why can't they do that? Okay, first of all, some of that stuff doesn't even exist. And the stuff that does, let me explain to you, your little small-town police department uh, doesn't have a crime lab, and they certainly do not have the $85,000 it costs to get a gas chromatograph mass spectrometer in the building, okay? It just doesn't exist. They don't have the funding. They don't have the budget. And a lot of what you see on TV, you know, it doesn't happen like that. There's a wonderful show. I love the show NCIS. I watch it. I'll freely, happily admit that, okay? I'm a huge fan. And Mark Harmon plays a character called Gibbs, and everybody's like, i got a gut feeling, Gibbs' gut. You know, Gibbs' gut, it's got to be right. Well, that's nice, but they don't just say, well, Gibbs' gut tells me this, and then stop the show. They have to go find evidence to back that up. There is something called beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. And you can suspect, and this is very, very hard, and I have to be very gentle with the family members, it's very hard to sit there and know something in your heart, and you're like, I just know that guy's guilty. I just know he did it. I just know it. You can know that in your heart and your soul, but when a prosecutor takes a case before a jury, remember this. They never met your loved one. They don't have that same emotional attachment where they just want to say, yeah, of course he did it. They don't know the players in this drama that's unfolding for them. And the prosecutor has to present evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. And the jury charge says that's not beyond all doubt. It's not even to a mathematical certainty. And a doubt, a reasonable doubt, is a doubt of a fair and impartial juror honestly seeking the truth. It's not a capricious or arbitrary doubt. It's a doubt you can give a reason for. So that's a very high standard, and it gets higher by the day because with modern crimes, crimes that are recent, you know, now we have touch DNA. Now we have the ability to, if some guy used a lamp cord to strangle a lady, we can swab epithelial. You're shedding skin cells on that lamp cord, and we can test them for your DNA, and we can nail you. But if a case is 10 or 15 years old, before the advent of touch DNA, Nobody preserved that evidence. Nobody knew to collect it. Who knew that 10 years down the road we would have something called touch DNA? Who knew that 10 years down the road we would have, you know, polymer chain reaction where we can copy DNA? So even if the sample is itty-bitty, we can multiply it now, literally multiply it to make it big enough to test. Mm -hmm. So you have to explain to people, I understand that you're emotional, I understand that you've got a gut, and I'm not discounting your gut feeling. I'm not saying you aren't absolutely 100% right to be suspicious. But bear in mind, when I go into that courtroom, I have to prove to 12 strangers who don't know the defendant, and they're probably not going to hear about his history because it's not admissible. You know, they're not going to hear that he had 14 prior convictions. They're not going to know everything you know. So the challenge for me as a prosecutor, is admissible evidence, 
okay? And everything you know is not admissible. I mean, Mac and I can know. We can look at a suspect and go, this dude was arrested two weeks before for beating the hell out of a lady. But you know what? It may not be admissible. Your judge may say, I'm not going to let you talk about that. It's too prejudicial. It's not similar enough. It's not a similar transaction. You can't go in there and talk about his history. So there are evidentiary challenges. So when mm-hmm. I go out to a crime scene, I'm talking to the students, and I'm saying, what do you see? Okay, now how do I get that into court? Because they'll be like, well, we heard that this guy said that objection hearsay. Nobody's going to let you go in there and go, I heard he was a bad dude. And they look at me like, what? Uh-uh. They're like, come on, Miss Hughes. I'm like, no, kids, that's not coming in. Y'all got to do it the legal way, and you're not legally going to get that in. Get me the original speaker. Well, the original speaker is too scared to come forward. Precisely. They're not going to let you say what he said. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do at the crime scene. I talk to them about what's admissible, what's not admissible, and that high, high level, because there are two different legal principles. In order to arrest somebody... Okay, Donna, can you still hear me? Hello? Uh, yeah. Can you still hear me? Heard a little bit of interference there. Are you there? Okay, Hi. can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear okay. you. Okay, yeah. So what I was saying, okay. to arrest somebody, you only need probable cause, which is a much lower standard. It's like, hey, is it likely that something was done here? Is it likely a crime was committed? You know, is it reasonable to say... Okay, yeah, that's probable cause. When you get before a jury, that standard switches to beyond a reasonable doubt. So you don't want to press your detective to rush in and make an arrest, which they might have enough evidence for, if you cannot prove that case in a court of law, because then you're going to face a speedy trial demand, and it gets thrown out. And if it gets thrown out on a speedy trial demand, you can never go after them again. Yeah. Well, so you can say be. Go ahead. I'm sorry. On on the on the road tour, are you going to also meet up with some local law enforcement, maybe the detectives or investigators who had uh, originally worked that particular crime scene? Yes, absolutely. Law enforcement okay. is always involved. What we do, our action plan is for them. They're an integral part. This this whole thing boils down to what can we give them that would be the most helpful. That's who it's for. And let me just say one other thing, because listening to Holly speak, I just have to point this out. She is so rare because she is literally both sides of the coin. She is a trained, exceptional prosecutor, and she's a defense attorney beyond reproach. So she can come at the students. Honey, they'll walk into one of the briefings with her. They're so cocky. They're ready to just call the Supreme Court and say, we're good. We don't need y'all, right? When Holly Hughes is done with them, they realize they got nothing. They are lazy, worthless, hadn't even worked it for five minutes is the way they feel when she's finished, which is by itself, again, training they couldn't pay for if they tried. So when they get to their respective departments, and I've got several students now that have got six or seven years in as veterans, and they will tell you those days with Holly Hughes in that war room made them mm-hmm. the detective they are today. Wow. Well, I I totally can see what you're talking about. It sounds like you bring them down to earth, Holly. 
Well, yeah, it's all done with love. Let me point that out because Cheryl just made me sound like a chill of the hun. <laughs> but, you know, we do. One of the things, Cheryl, I said at the very top of the show was Cheryl and I have the same sense of humor. So we will joke with them. You know, I mean, I'm not just going to say that's unacceptable. I'm going to be like, objection, you know, and get them laughing about it. I'll be like, dude, you can't say that in court, you know. And you meet right. the students where they are. You joke with them. You're like, that is not happening, pal. You know, now, right. that's not how I'm making an objection in court. You know, I'm smoothing my suit. I'm saying, objection, Your Honor. You know, very nice. In the classroom, I'd yell at them like I'm Harpo Marx or Groucho with that old horn. <laughs> objection, Ooh. you know. But you just you have to relate to them. You teach them, you know, and that's what it's about. It's Again, it's that teaching them from all aspects, letting them see you know, this is an educational experience you just can't buy. You're just not going to get this anywhere else. And they are such good sports, and they want to learn. That's yeah. the beauty about kids who are not necessarily your traditional college students, who people would say, oh, you know, you just go to a school at night. You're not, you know, the real deal, whatever. You're not Ivy League. You're not this. These kids are so hungry to learn and to be treated with respect, and that's really what it's about. And like Cheryl said, right. You know, we will come up with an action plan, and we will, you know, I teach these students the same way I would teach kids at Harvard, honestly. I just go in there, I tell them the truth, I'm honest with them, I don't lie to them, I just tell them this is how it is in the real world, guys, this is what you're going to encounter. And, you know, we work up the action plan, and like we said, it's not about credit. We don't call the newspaper and say, oh, you know, we're going to solve this crime. We are there to assist law enforcement. You know, I was joking about your department doesn't have a mass spectrometer, you know, gas chromatograph. That's mm-hmm. the truth. They can't afford that type of equipment. But you know what? We might be able to offer them an expert who can test it for them. So not only are we there for the families and solving the crime, but we also make ourselves available to law enforcement from small communities who might say, you know, I don't have access to a criminal profiler. Well, guess what? Dr. Cindy Hatfield is one of our experts, and she volunteers her time, and she will look at your case for you because you don't have access to that. So we also support law enforcement, and when we come up with a plan or we discover new stuff, that goes into what we call action plan, and we give that back to the law enforcement working it. We're not trying to steal their glory. We're not trying to steal their thunder. We give it all to them and say, here you go, guys. Do you want to follow up on this? Have a ball. Go take, you know. Follow up, take credit. If you need our assistance, we're going to jump in. We got your back. But yeah. it's their rodeo. We're not stealing credit. We don't care. You're, we're just trying to purpose. help the victims. Yeah. We totally. are there to help the victims. Totally. By the way, I just spoke with um, Dr. Hatfield for about a half hour last week, and I was, I just, we, we, Talk like we knew each other for ten years. She is awesome. I can't wait till till we get her on our show as well. Um, with regards to these students, um, Cheryl, you're just saying that some of them have been with you and and worked with you for seven years. Are the students going to be at all different levels depending on who can get there and do what? Oh, there's no question about it. I've got students that are freshmen, and this yeah. is their first term, and they are all about it. So they will be learning probably the most. I also have students like LaShawn Bates and Keith Amaker that were on the very first bus, the very first night that we did anything with Mary Shotwell Little back in 2004. Uh-huh. They are now, uh, I believe Keith Amaker has the rank of lieutenant now. And LaShawn uh-huh. is one of the most decorated detectives they've got. So 
um, they're going to bring all of their expertise. So it's kind of one of the things that I'm the most proud of with them is mm-hmm. that I've got students that, you know, were freshmen with me that have now turned experts. And they will bring, you know, so much to the students because they'll say, look, I remember those nights. I remember having finals and I had to get the kids to school and I had to get myself to work, but I was still working, you know, the Mary Shot Little, Little case or the Morrisville Bridge <laughs> case. And it mm-hmm. just makes it so nice because there's an immediate bonding with the students. Um, but, again, you know, we have colleges like Syracuse that help and Metro State College of Denver and Faulkner University and Auburn University and Argosy University, uh, Morehouse University, Clark Atlanta University. So let me tell you what happens. You've got students that, yes, my students, the ones that I see daily, they may be the first ones to go to college, but when they work with students from Syracuse Law School and they Mm -hmm. realize, hey, wait a minute, I'm hanging with these folks, what do you think that does for them? That they come up with a theory or they come up with a plan, absolutely. That somebody at Syracuse Law School says, yeah, we think you're on the right track. We think we can do something with that. I mean, it's a, it's a remarkable journey that everybody's on, Syracuse included, Auburn included, Faulkner included, Argosy included. It, it's just I, I cannot say enough good things about it. It's a natural high for them. Yeah, it's much better sure than drugs or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, what, sure. What about, what about the, on, um, at the scene, are, are there certain ones, um, well, because you've worked all these cases, you're going to be, some of them are going to be indoors and some of them are going to be outdoors, and describe the challenges with that. What if you get upon a particular place where you need to be and the weather's horrible, or, I mean, just in terms of that, you're going to be indoors in some people's homes. Sometimes you're going to be out by a, a body then of listen, water. Donna, I'm going to give yeah. myself the same advice I give the students. People get shot in the rain. Things happen. The weather has never once stopped me in my entire life. I don't foresee it's going to stop me now. Okay. If there's a tornado, if there's an earthquake, bring it. We're good. <laughs> it's just okay. going to add to the story that we tell later at the club. That's all. <laughs> but we're going. And we've got people like Betsy Ramsey and Leslie Bailey who are career victim advocates. They've got 30 years under their belt apiece. Um, they've both provided victim assistance during the Olympic Games at the Pentagon during 9-11. So we'll have plenty of victim advocacy as well. But, again, what is paramount is the teaching, the teaching. Right. And it's not just for the family of Shonda Turner. Let me tell you something. If we can show people how that 3D crime scene puts things in perspective, maybe somebody watching or listening goes, hey, did they ever do that with aunt so-and-so? And if they didn't, mm-hmm. then go do it. That's yeah. the beauty of, of going back to the scene. If it wasn't done then, you can sure Lord do it now. Right. And just in case you do come upon something new, you, 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 you're going to have people there that are skilled in evidence co- collection so that they could do that, correct? And Oh, of course. Everything is yeah. going to be, you know, legal and above board and ethical. I mean, that's how we operate or we wouldn't still be in business for a decade. But, again, right. we're not going there digging. We're going there to teach. Big difference. Mm-hmm. Right. When right. we went um, there to dig and look for the weapon, we had law enforcement on standby. They were waiting just in case we did come up with something. But that's not this scenario. Right. 
Um, it's it's all about teaching. Now, tell us about how you're going to interface with um, YouTube and with our show, just so that we 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 okay. kind of know um, how's that going to work. Well, the YouTube channel will be set up so that students can watch episodes at their leisure, or they want to watch them over and over to really get the most you know bang out of their bucks, so to speak. So that's what the YouTube channel is about. Your show. I'm going to actually be speaking to y'all live as I do it. So every uh, Saturday night, I'm going to be mm-hmm. talking to you about what I just got finished doing. So you'll have it first. You'll have the scoop, as they say. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so I'm when there. we come back, you'll be talking to me and Holly, but we'll be telling you what we did with Shonda Turner's family and what we saw, what we witnessed, what we think, who we're going to contact, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. And how how long are the segments that you're going to take, like, for YouTube? Are they, like, half an hour, an hour? What are they? Probably about a half hour. A half hour? Okay. And um, you told me about someone um, that did a um, hip-hop song that is kind of going to be your theme song or something. Is that right? I, I can't hear what you just asked me. I'm so sorry. Uh, that's all right. Did you tell me that you you had somebody that was creating kind of like a theme song for this? Oh, yes, for this? yes. Tell us about his name. That. Okay, his name is Macaulay King, and he's a rapper out of Miami by way of Jamaica. And one of the students in the Institute, um, she connected us to him because they grew up together in Jamaica, and she said, I know somebody that can do with the theme song. And as you know, everything from our logo to now our theme song is generated by students. A student developed the website, a student did the brochures, students take the pictures, students generate everything that we do. It's their case, it's their institute. So um, we contacted him and he said, show me a little bit about what you do. And I said, well, for us um, and me personally, when we start a case, we start with the last 24 so an active homicide case, for example, it's the first 48 hours, right, before the trail goes cold. But for mm-hmm. us, it's the last 24 hours of that victim's life. Where were they? Who saw them? Who were they with? What were they doing? Where were they at? That last 24 is key for us to start. That's our starting place. So he wrote a song, and that's what it is. It's Cold Case Files, Last 24. It's a really cool song, but you'll hear it on YouTube. <laughs> So Macaulay King, he's very talented. Oh, wonderful! And and he's not getting residuals from me. It's all volunteer. No, it was no, just a flat gift. He said, "I appreciate what you do," and here it is. Yeah. Have at it. Wow, that that is great. Um, now, is when you finish the tour, you said you're going to have like a three week break, and then you're going to go toward the northeast. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Um, what's what's Tell us a little bit more about that. Are you de- getting cases from the Northeast now? So when you but, but again, we already yeah we already have them. So we have a case in Baltimore. We have a case in West Virginia. We have a case in New York. We have a case in Connecticut. We already have them. It's just a matter again. We want to go and we want to visit. Uh, we have colleges, um, Chatham okay. University in Pennsylvania. We want to go visit with them and thank okay. them for the work they've done on Zodiac. I mean, there's just things we want to go do. So that's what we're yeah. doing. 
Wonderful. And there is a case in Connecticut? I wasn't aware of that. That's wonderful. Yes, but I don't know if we can divulge that, yes, but I, yeah, absolutely. Well, who knows? Maybe I'll show up if you let me. That's right. Maybe you can get a major scoop. Who knows? All right. Well, we'll have to talk some more. But, Holly, we've got about seven minutes left of our show, just flying by. Um, do you want to, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about Susan Powell case? Because that is just so harrowing, and there's so many layers to that. And I know you're going to be headlong into that with the students. Maybe you want to give um, those listening an update, because that was – in the heyday with you and Susan Murphy Milano, and it's been a little while. Would you like to update people on that? Well, you know, that was just such a tragedy all the way around. You know, first of all, those poor parents lost their daughter, Susan. And, again, that's another one of those cases I was talking about earlier where you know who did it, but how do you get the evidence to prove it? And so, you know, sadly enough, it took a long time for whatever reason, and I don't know, I'm not casting aspersions. One of the things we never, never do is criticize law enforcement. You know, we're going to look at it honestly, and we're going to say they should have done this, and they didn't. Now, I don't know why they didn't. Maybe they're underfunded. Maybe they're overworked. I don't know. But there's a lot of things that could have been done sooner in that case. And I will never say, you know, it's their fault those boys lost their lives. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to cast aspersions. But, you know, after the fact, then all of a sudden there was a comforter with some fluid discovered in a storage unit. Well, why did it take that long to discover that storage unit? Why did it take that long to find that evidence? Why did it take that long to get it tested? And, you know, sadly, it's too late. You know, the the prime suspect has, uh, you know, killed himself and, and in the most horrific, selfish act took his children with him. You know, for the sole purpose of hurting those grandparents. I mean, that is a horror that, you know, that's why we do this, Donna. My gosh, that's why we do this. I cannot imagine the pain that they live with. But if we can take that case and we can use it as a teaching example for the students who will become our law enforcement of the next generation, if we can help a small department to say, okay, you know, if this happens in your town, Y'all need to go looking for that storage unit a lot sooner. You need to find that evidence a lot sooner so that that perpetrator can be locked up and does not have access to hurt somebody else. You know, that's where the teaching aspect of what we're doing becomes so valuable because you can help them to say, all right, we didn't get it done in this case, but guess what? The next case, let's make that our first priority. Let's not have another Susan Powell. Let's not have two more little boys left out there to be brutally murdered by the person who should have loved and protected them the most. Absolutely. That's why the teaching is so important. And, again, we are not criticizing. You know, I prosecuted some cases. I won a lot of cases. But I'll tell you the truth, I lost one or two, and it broke my heart. But I didn't just sit there and cry about it. I said, what could I have done differently? What could I have done to do a better job? And, you know, all of the victims that I ever represented as a prosecutor, they came to me and they said, you know what, win, lose, or draw, it doesn't matter because for the first time somebody stood up for us. Somebody fought for us. Somebody went to the wall, and we know you did the best you could. 
But then in that private moment, you know, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to say, okay, but how can I be better? How can I teach the next generation to not make this mistake? How can I teach them to care about these families and these victims? And that's what we do, man. It's caring. Mm -hmm. It's connecting. It's creative. And we don't ever tell our students, oh, that's not a good idea. We say to them, why do you think that's a good idea? Okay, let's talk about it. And here's why it won't work. Or how can we make it work? How can we take your idea and turn it into a creative solution to solve this crime or to teach the next generation? Yeah, that that is your mantra. Well, I've just so got true. to say, in 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 oh. all the years that I've known you, Holly and Cheryl, I mean, you guys just amaze me, and and you are my go-to girls <laughs> in more ways <laughs> than one. And uh, you know, the first year that. I was able to get you to the Q Center for Missing Persons Conference. You made such a huge yeah. impact on the people. And, you know, with the instruction that you did and that you gave to them that, I mean, they beg for you to come back every year. So, you know, luckily we have you we have you snared in there. And uh, you're <laughs> part of that big family, too. And it's such a great partnership. I, I think, you know, the work that you do connects so well with the families that, um, you know, that attend the conference and that, you know, that have their their loved ones missing. And you guys get it. Both of you get it. And it just just does my heart good to see you interacting with the people. Um, You know, some speakers I've brought in don't do that. But you guys always make a point to sit down with anybody who wants to talk about their case or about what can happen, um, and I just can't tell you enough how much I appreciate both of you. Well, it is, and same thing. It, I, as a victim of crime, it means the world to me too, and I, I feel, I feel so special to to have you in, in my world and in my life. So, anything that we can do to help further this project, I'm there with you. Okay. <laughs> Well, Donna, we really appreciate that. And if you would indulge me, um, yeah. can I give the address in case someone would like to send us a donation? Oh, yes, okay. Yes, I want you to. Okay, and we're well, going to do know, it and every again, every, every dollar helps. So if there is somebody listening who thinks I can only send $10 and that won't matter, let me tell you something. It will matter to the victim that we get to because we had an extra half a tank of gas. It will matter to the family member who I'm able to, you know, put a hundred of those ten dollars together and fly out and meet them and say to them, okay, this is where you are, and give them comfort and assure them that it's not for lack of trying that their case hasn't been prosecuted yet. So if anybody is so moved, again, you yeah. will get a receipt from us, and it will show that it's a tax-deductible donation. And we are just asking you to help solve a cold case because sometimes that's what it takes. It takes money. And so if they send their donation to us, you can just make it CCIRI, which stands for Cold Case Investigative Research Institute, CCIRI. And our address is 541 10th Street, like the number 10th but spelled out, T-E-N-T-H Street, Northwest. So it's 541 10th Street Northwest, number 235, and our city is Atlanta, Georgia, 
and our zip code is 30318. So the whole thing would read CCIRI at 541 10th Street Northwest, Atlanta, Georgia, 30318. And we would be so appreciative. And I promise you, it will go to help a victim of a crime. It is Cheryl and I don't get paid. We're not taking a paycheck. This is a true labor of love, and we wouldn't be here 10 years later if we hadn't done everything with integrity and respectability. So, uh, you know, any help anyone can give, $5, we are happy, we are grateful, and we will pass on your love to those families. Well, we we know you will, and we know you're sincere, and it's very similar with what the Q Center does, and they're close to our hearts, too, so... Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap up this hour, but we are going to be talking to you, Cheryl and Holly, and some of our other um, our other professionals very soon, and give you an update with some of the other colleagues. So I'll say uh, good evening. Thank you so much, Holly. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, Delilah. And we will see you next week for another edition of Shattered Lives. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Good night.